My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to think I was done writing prose. And this is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to get in touch with us for any reason, unless you want to criticize us, which is impossible because we're perfect, check the episode notes for our contact info. And for our uh, Cafe Press store. For we merch. Can, merch. Buy some merch. Buy some merch. If you were one of the people who were like, I'll give you a couple of bucks for a white collar podcast, which to be clear, we're not doing because <laughs> not enough of you have said that. But those of you who have, we'd love for you to buy some merch. There you go. We'd love to make a 60 cent profit off of you. And we'd love for you to have a shirt. Exactly. Shirts that you designed. I did. And wrote prose for. <laughs> yeah, I wrote prose for the shirts. I write burn notice fan fanfiction now. Yeah. I mean... I'm about to. For one of our uh, bonus I mean, we episodes, are, we are going to kind of write Burn Notice fan I mean, fiction. we are going to do that. <laughs> but until then, what prose are you writing? Ugh, God help me, I've decided to write a romance novel. I, I mean, of course you have. That's the only logical <sighs> conclusion to this arc that's happening. I put it off for so long, but I've read 72 romance novels that's in a month so and a half. So many. In a month and a half. And I've slowed down recently only because I read faster than the library can get me books. So, yeah, I I held off. I got a free trial of Scrivener and remembered, God, how much I fucking love Scrivener as like a writing program and how much better it is than any other writing program. I thought you were going to say, oh, God, how much I hate writing prose. No, I, I mean, I hate writing prose, but I fucking love Scrivener. Yeah. And then I kept sort of like writing character descriptions and kept kind of like fleshing things out. And I was like, fuck, this is the only thing I want to write now. God damn. Damn it. I'm looking at this. I'm also seeing the the name of this novel. <laughs> well, that's a working title. It's uh, a very working title. Previously, it was even worse than that. But also, most romance titles are stupid. I so, mean, they like, are. Yeah. That kind of works out. Like, But yeah, I basically, I was just like thinking about like, what if, you know, people keep saying like, oh, are you going to write a not romance novel? I'm like, no, of course not. I'm done with prose. I hate prose. And then I kept thinking about it. And then some things like started to come together in my brain and then I got excited and decided to write like a little bit of it down and then I kept writing stuff down and then I was like fuck yeah no, I have not. an entire novel here <laughs> and it wouldn't and then people are like well why don't you just write a feature then if you don't want to write like whatever I'm like well first of all I'm not a feature writer second of all I think that there's too much content here to naturally f- start as a feature maybe it can be adapted later and finally I want to I, I want to do a novel Against my better judgment, I want to do a novel. Yeah. No, I get it. And I'm trying to not police my own muse as much. Because the fact that there is a muse at all right exactly. now oh is my God. so fucking no. nice. Yeah, like, if I had a muse, if I had, like, oh, yeah, I would, yeah, I would just be so happy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, like, yeah, I'm not going to look a gift muse in the mouth. Exactly. And, like, you know, it keeps me writing. It keeps me uh, frosty. Like, just because I'm not specifically developing new TV samples doesn't mean anything. Also, I have a new TV sample that I'm waiting for my turn in writer's group for. So it's sort of like I can't make a lot of progress right now yeah. anyways, unless I'm developing something new and I haven't had another thing that I feel like writing yet. So, yeah, now I'm writing a romance novel about um, internalized misogyny and heteronormativity. Of course. Because, yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's bas- basically, it's like 
if I took my most obnoxious tomboy habits as a child and then never learned about feminism, what would it look like if that was the protagonist of a book? Because first of all, I rarely see like tomboys as protagonists of romance novels. Right. And so that was interesting to me. And also sort of like the inherent heteropatriarchy of tomboys existing at all. Oh, well, the thing about like tomboys is that like tomboys as a type are not older than 14. (laughs) Well, there are more of them than you would think. And uh, there are tomboy impulses that continue into adulthood that I still have impulses. The thing about like, no, but I think that's actually, no, I think like after a certain point, like people stop calling you a tomboy and start calling you a lesbian. Right. Like, and so I think there's something interesting there in the way that, like, or start calling you butch or something. Like, where it's, like, the moment in which, like, sexuality is injected into a person, like, then, like, tomboy is a category. Like, tomboy is a category only exists and, like, without sexuality. In the sure. way that, like, it's also- in the way that, like... The patriarchy and everything, heterosexuality, like, frames everything and sure. understands stuff. And the, the thing that I want to specifically explore is, like, how inherently to identify as a tomboy, it sort of gives you this weird, like, superiority complex over not just other kinds of women, but women like who girls, perform, you know. like, femininity. Yeah. And, like... That is also deeply toxic. Like, I want to write a book about a girl who's, like, hasn't really internalized how fucked up it is that she looks down on women for liking things that women like. Right. And how, like, that's limiting to them. It's, like, internalized misogyny. It's definitely holding her back from stuff. And I also want to pair that with... I'm not going to give the whole fucking thing away. I'll tell you about it later if you care. But, like, I also wanted to do the flip side of, like... For the male love interest, what is his version of that? I, so I've taken my tomboy impulses and uh, the fact that I have been obsessed with Leah Macon for my entire life. Okay. And the sort of parasocial relationship I developed with him in my own head. Okay. What if I have, and you know, eventually ended up meeting him? That was always a part of it, you know, imagining like I moved to New York partially not in a tiny amount. Right. Hoping I would run into Lee Megan. And so what if <laughs> I hadn't met Quinn, I hadn't learned about feminism, and I did run into Leah Macon in New York and we had to work together and there was both like a weird idealization issue of I have a parasocial relationship with this person who I'm now developing an actual relationship with what's, you know, what's real and what's not. And on his side, how fucked up would that be discovering that? And also like, what must it be like to be a guy who has been idealized your entire life <laughs> by people who have no idea who you are and like how much pressure that must be. But yeah, so that that's what I've been up to is I've been- we we'll talk been about d- next novel, next novel. <laughs> exactly. And I do, I do definitely want to talk to you about this novel because yeah. fuck, I hate- I don't hate writing novels. I hate writing prose, but like this has been a fun sort of like nostalgic trip. And again, I've read 72 romance novels. Yeah, this is a truly stupid. <laughs> At this point, of- if I don't write a romance novel as a writer, like what the fuck am I doing? I mean, you're just reading romance novels. You don't have to have, you yeah, don't have to be productive. You don't have to create something just because. But like, then I wanted to. But if you want to, that's great. You should do it. I still resent it though. Anyway. But anyway, what anyway, are we? What are what are anyway? We, so this episode. What, what else can I resent? You can resent this episode. This episode, season seven, episode ten, 
Things Unseen aired on August 15th, 2013. It was written by Ben Watkins and Craig O'Neill and directed by Craig Siebels. Everyone's familiar here. This is a really Craig-heavy episode. We got two Craigs for the price of one. Mm -hmm. And the premise of it, according to IMDb, is... A figure from Michael's past could reveal his cover in a crucial mission. Fiona's boyfriend is targeted by a gang, which places Sam and Jesse in the crossfire. So, and I've said before that, like, when I, like, put these descriptions in there, I don't read them. Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of just glance at them and Mm copy-paste. This time I, like, glanced at it. And when I glanced at it, I read A Boyfriend from Michael's Past. (laughs) And was like, reread it. And so I had to read the whole thing. And I was like, oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> Canon bisexual Michael Can- Weston. Canon bisexual Michael Weston. But no, I think like that's more interesting than the thing that we got. But Yeah, for sure. Also, similarly to last week, I feel like this plot should have been earlier in the season. Right. The fact that we're developing Carlos this much this late in the season is so strange. Like, why was this not, like, episode four? But this is, like, a kind of older model of television almost, where it's, like, you develop the person right before they leave. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's too bad. It should, yeah. They shouldn't have done this. Like, this is the episode we should have had truly weeks ago. Right. No, that is the thing. I think that is the major flaw of this season, mm-hmm. is that in the middle, there's a lot of stuff that should have happened a little bit earlier. There's a little bit of wheel spinning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they're both wasting time and saving stuff too late in the Exactly, thing. so that you don't get to live in it. You don't get to do the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't have enough fun stuff, so they're just like dragging everything out. But we'll talk about that more in the weeds. Let's do it. All right. So we start. Michael's at the beach with a little boat (laughs) about to leave under the cover of darkness for a dangerous mission. And the way that he talks about it in the, like, voiceover, I kind of thought that the whole mission was going to be a night mission. Because he keeps talking about, like, getting the cover of darkness, things that you do at night. And I was like, like, ooh, this is a sexy night mission. (laughs) But then there's no more night. It's only this scene for some reason. And I also kind of thought that he was had arrived because mm-hmm. Fee shows up mm-hmm. to talk to him. Right. And he's like leaving for his night mission. Yeah. And he says like, I have a mission in another country. And I thought for a second that she had come to the other country. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of unclear. It was a sort a very weird, like in media res. Yeah. Pre cold open scene where it's like, where are we? What's happening? Exactly. It's so weird. It's just shot. Why is the, no one else here? It's just like... shot in the middle of nowhere. It's like, Oh my god. But it, that was really funny to me. Like, the idea that, like, he went to, like, another country and then she followed him just to have this chat <laughs> was so funny to me. But presumably that's not what happened. That is not what happened. <laughs> but they go in to have the same conversation that they always have. Michael's getting too close. He's too into it. He let that guy die. And he's like, and Michael's like, I had to let the guy die. I'm undercover. And it's like, you're letting people die. It's like, you're getting too close. And it's yada yada. You know the song. Yeah. But like, and then it's like, no, I. this is just me being undercover. And then he's like, were you undercover when you fucked that girl? <laughs> and then Michael does, Jeffrey Donovan does this face that's like this sort of like angry smile is the only way I can describe it. <laughs> you know, that like face when like you're having that like kind of fight with like someone and then they say a thing that's like, and you go. Oh, boy. (laughs) You know, like, I don't have time for this right now. And you're kind of like, I I need to go. Like, that is the face that he's making. It's it's a pretty good face, actually. 
Like you said, Jeffrey Donovan's fucking killing it this yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so Michael gets in his little boat and he goes. <laughs> so then Fee returns home to Carlos, who says that he has to go check on his mom because some people turned up asking about him and Fee asked to come along. And they're kind of cute, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like clear, like, this is... I think it's pretty clear that this is the last Carlos episode. Sure. Just because where we are in the season. And I have opinions about how Carlos leaves the show. Yeah. And, well, that's, it's good that you do, because that's what we do on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah. It's also, I guess, sort of important that he, like, doesn't want Fee to come with he him. He doesn't want Fee to come with him. But, but she's like, she, no, we're a team. Yeah, we're let's partners. go. And they're like, and she's like, look, come on, it'll be fun. It'll be sexy. And it's like, yeah, it will be sexy. And, they're like, <laughs> and they kiss, and it's like, you know, they don't not have chemistry. Yeah, they have more chemistry this episode than the last time we saw them together. No, of course. Yeah, like last time where they weirdly didn't. But here, it works. Yeah, this is the most time we've spent with Carlos we spend in this episode. Mm-hmm. And like, he works. Yeah. He, I mean, he's a han- he's a handsome guy. Yeah, he's a good looking guy. Yeah, no, I like... And I, again, wish we'd seen this way before. Yeah, but meanwhile, in the Canary Islands... Michael meets up with Sonia and asks her what the job is because he's so worried that he doesn't know what the job is. And she says that there's this guy named Roger Steele who's a friend of Michael's who's kind of a spy go-between. And Agent for the spies. Exactly. Remember that guy? Yeah. At first I thought it was this guy. Like You forgot that Michael killed him in cold blood? I mean, yeah, I did. <laughs> no, the thing is... Because he is played by such a that guy actor. Yeah. Like, I, they've had a lot of that guy actors this season. And it keeps confusing me, especially when they're like, yeah, this is from Michael's past. And I'm like, fuck, have we seen this person? I before? know. I had to go check if we had seen this guy before. We have not seen this guy before. But, like, he easily could have been. Right. It's a little weird that he is not a guy we've seen before. It's a, w- a little weird that a lot of these people are people we haven't seen before. Yeah. Like, I remember it's almost like early Burn Notice where they, like, didn't have, like, a, a cast of people that they could bring in so like everyone would be like here's a guy from michael's past and it'd be some random character actor and it's weird to go back to that towards the end where it's just like i mean i like this guy he's fine he's super natural he's one of those he's in everything Mm -hmm. you know it's one of those times where i'm like it's it's too bad that bly is already dead i feel like this would have been a more interesting episode if it was bly no i i think and if bly was like not in he wasn't read in on strong's mission and so he was also kind of still searching for michael and like he and michael finally hit their shaky piece and michael has to kill him yeah no i think that could have been interesting anyway this guy his name is roger Steele. he is looking into michael he found out about burke he knows that michael is doing something Mm -hmm. and sony's like we have to kill him before he figures it out right so Sony and Michael arrive at Roger's high security estate, and Roger's just the nicest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. Just like he's so nice that you would never want to kill him. The sort of guy <laughs> that you don't want to murder. He even got Michael a yogurt. It's so sweet. He's, and he remembers not just that he likes yogurt, but he's like, like blueberry, right? Blueberry, right? That's your yogurt, right? Ugh, so sweet. Yeah, he's played by a guy named Sebastian Roche, who's just in a lot of stuff. Uh, he was an angel on Supernatural. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's just around. But yeah, Michael goes in. And says, I really need a job. One thing I like about this season is that, like, I like that his cover is just, like, Michael Weston, but shit went bad. Because it's not wrong. No. Like, and Well, he just... even says, like, yeah, since the burn notice and everything. So, like, he's basically playing into the idea that, like, he got burned and just, that's it. Right. Nothing else has happened in the intervening years. Well, no, like, also, he shot that guy. 
Like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. No, it's like it's very important that he shot that guy. That's true. Like he killed Tom Card. Like it's very believable that Michael Weston would be in the position that he is in. Mm-hmm. And it's frankly absurd that he isn't in this position in truth. Exactly. And so he goes there and he's kind of pathetic. He's like, I need a job. <laughs> and then still, Roger's like, I can't hire you. Half of my clients are terrified of you. <laughs> it's like and he's like, and Michael's like, just put me in the bag. Just, I'll count. I'll do counting or whatever. You know? mm-hmm. yeah, I'll do accounting. I will <laughs> yeah. do math. I will make you some spreadsheets. And so whatever you need, just like, and then Roger's like, no, you can't, but I'll give you money. Do you need money? I'll write money. It's like, it's not a handout. I owe you. Go ahead. Whatever you need. I will give you money. Like, I'll suck your dick. What do you want? <laughs> you deserve it, Michael Weston, because you are a good man who would never kill me. <laughs> but yeah, so like... They have this whole scene, and then later Michael meets up with Sonia, and they decide that they can't kill him in his fortress, so they're going to have to do it outside, probably in a car on the road. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Fee and Carlos return to Carlos's old neighborhood, and like Fee reacts like it's like the worst place that anyone could go. Yeah, the vibe like is a, weird. It's just like a normal neighborhood. Yeah, well, and she, she makes some comment, and he's like, you didn't have to come. I told you not to come. Yeah, and she's like, like kind of judgmental, and he's like a like, little defensive. It's like just a neighborhood. It's kind of poor, but like you know, it's just yeah normal. Mm-hmm. It's a place where people live. Like, I think like sometimes we like lower class neighborhoods are just neighborhoods where it's clear that people live there. Whereas like <laughs> upper class neighborhoods go out of their way to make it seem like that people don't live there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's weird that like our notion of like niceness is, like, built on the idea that people do not actually live in spaces. And in some ways, I get that. Anywhere yeah. that people are is worse. <laughs> but yeah, I take just, your meaning. No, yeah, that's like, there's it's just a regular neighborhood. But yeah, and Carlos explains that they're going to go meet this guy who he knows, who now kind of runs the neighborhood, and explains that, like, we're when you, if you grew up in this neighborhood, you kind of just had to be in the gang. There was no, like, not being in a gang so yeah i was in a gang for a little while you just that was what you did mm-hmm. so they go and meet this guy who's named mateo and mateo's very genial he's the, a real roger Steele type and played by amari nalasco who is a major player in prison break of course he is i saw him and i was like fuck how do i know this guy how do i know this guy and i looked him up and he's like oh he's sugar from from prison break Wait, his name is sugar uh i think so just like our sugar i think it might be actually what a fun bit of, um, like, synchronicity. But yeah, like, he is, like, a low-level gangster. He runs this neighborhood. And Carlos and Fee go to say hi, and they're all very friendly, and they give him a hug. Uh, oh, Sucre. So, yes. Okay, sugar, but in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they call him Sucre. Sucre, okay. They kind of set it up like he is going to be held hostage. Yeah. Like, it seemed like they were, because, like, we do the scene, and it's really nice and everyone's very friendly and then carlos says hey someone's asking my mom about me and they go yeah the reason that that's happening is because you're a fucking snitch <laughs> um you ratted out this guy nando and now nando's out of jail and he wants to fucking get you and there's a bounty on your head and then suddenly the entire tenor of the space changes you're very aware that everyone has guns mm-hmm. and they're like oh we maybe can't leave, can we? And yeah. And they were like, we really wish you had not come here. Yeah. It's like, it's like, we don't want to be doing this, but we do have to get you. And we're not going to shoot you because he wants you alive for some reason. It doesn't really matter. But like, um, 
And then at which point, and like Fee, once the gun gets pulled out, like kind of play acts like she's terrified. Mm-hmm. Like, no, don't hurt him. No, no, no. And then she gets like close enough to Mateo that she can grab his gun and pulls the gun, puts him to his, like his head and like, we're walking out of here. Yeah, well, like, basically, like, she gets the drop on him, which allows Carlos to get the drop on somebody else. Yeah. And then, like, they pull Mateo out, like, as a hostage. Exactly. And it seems like he is going to be their hostage for the episode, mm-hmm. but it was just to get them out the door. Mm-hmm. And we never see him again. Yeah, which is weird, because he's great. He's great. He's a really charismatic actor. Really he is great. more charismatic than Nando is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I was a little Like, I was really hoping that he was going to be the snitch. Oh, interesting. I thought that would be an interesting thing, because then it adds, like, an additional layer where it's like, first of all, I do have to take you hostage now because you came back to the neighborhood. And, like, if I if I tell Nando, like, yeah, he, he showed up and we let him go, like, that's not good. But then there's an, an additional, like, weirdness where it's, like, it explains why these guys are close and why he has an additional reason to not get on Nando's bad side. Because he's like, but I don't, I, I don't want you to tell him... <laughs> Right. Where I was the snitch. Exactly. Like, that would be more interesting to me. And then I would care more about the snitch. Right. Well, I mean, Carlos is the snitch. Well, there's two snitches. Yeah, there's two snitches. I mean, like, the non-Carlos snitch. That's right. I, uh, the, the witness. The witness, yeah. I was hoping that this guy would be the witness at the very least. But then, no, it's just, like, a different guy. It's just, <laughs> like, why do guy. I care? Um, but, you yeah, know, so after this, Carlos and Fee meet with a detective friend of Carlos's, who is presumably the person that he snitched to when he snitched on uh nando but but no that's not who it is wait it's not no because if that was the case then she would know who the witness was uh well no because she says in the scene like i remember you saying that there was a witness but you never told me who maybe it was then no it's supposed to be i feel like she 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 is like on the case now and he happens to know her no i no, she's because she's pretty talking. young. So, no, I looked this up. When they are shooting this episode, she is 35. Okay. It is conceivable. She looks young, because that was the thing, too, where I was like, was she 17 when she first? I was like, right. but no, but she is old enough that she could conceivably have been, like, a cop, like, detective. She would have been, like, a young detective, but she w- could have been a detective at the time. Okay, fair um, Or, like, just working, like, the drug beat or something, and now she's a detective. You know, it could have been her big case or something, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, no. She talks about, she has memories of the original events. I assume that she read it from the file. No, no, no. She's like, no, because I kind of remember, you know, it's, no, they know each other. She, he, I think she was the original person that he snitched to. Okay, fair enough. Carlos says to her, like, I thought he was in jail for a long time. It's like, yeah, no, he got out on a technicality. That's our justicism. And then she immediately goes, anyway, so we need to put him back in jail again. <laughs> It's like, our justice system sucks, but what are you going to do? We but have it's to... our justice system. Exactly. It's like, so it's, this bugged me more before we learned, like, the twist of the episode. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, it's so funny to me of, like, they're so close. They're so, it's, it's like, we, it's like, we arrested him and then, like, that didn't work. I guess we're going to arrest him again. But this time for murder. Yeah. Because, like, he also murdered a guy. She knows that Carlos knows a witness, but Carlos never said who the witness was because he didn't want the witness to get hit or whatever. Mm -hmm. But this time he is willing to do it because he needs this to end. Um, So Fee and Carlos meet with Jesse and Sam because they can't go into the neighborhood again without getting jumped. And so Sam and Jesse are going to have to talk to the witness, even though, again, they're like, oh, even the cops don't go there. This is like the worst place that you can go. It's like, it's hell on earth there. 
in this town, in this neighborhood that's just kind of poor. Yep. But yeah, they're gonna go meet this guy whose name is Lloyd. Meanwhile, Michael meets with Agent Strong to tell him that he has to kill this Roger Steele guy and he didn't wanna. And Agent Strong says, in so many words, tough titties. Yep. That's it. That's the scene. That's it. That is the whole scene. So Michael and Sonia, wearing ski masks, set up a bomb on the road to take out Steele's car with with a cell phone detonator. But when Steele's car passes by, it turns out that he is using a signal jammer, which prevents both the bomb from going off and Michael and Sonia from communicating, which results in a firefight in which Michael and Sonia barely escape with their lives. Really quickly, there was a part of me that wondered if Michael was jamming the signal. And this was his way of making it seem like, like I was, I was hoping that Michael was working an angle Uh to get him out of here alive without like making it clear that he had tipped him off. I wondered that too. And I kind of wished it had gone that way. Yeah. Like I wish Michael had been more active in trying to help this guy not die, but like having to do it secretly because as soon as he mentioned it to Sonia, Sonia was like, no, we have to kill him. Otherwise, like we'll think that you're betraying us. I kind of felt that way later. Here's another thing about this episode. I think that would have been more interesting. I think it would have. Because I had that thought later when he shot him. I kind of thought, like, maybe he was shooting him in a non-lethal way. Mm-hmm. But part of that was because... Here's my question to you. Okay. What's the A-plot of this episode? I guess Carlos? It is. That's the thing, right? Is that, like, everything about Burn Notice makes you think that, like... It would be a Michael plot. A Michael A-plot. plot. The Michael plot is the A-plot. But the thing is that the Michael plot resolves first Mm -hmm. so that michael can become part of the carlos plot yep and so the whole time i'm watching like michael kill roger Steele, i'm like well it's kind of early in the episode maybe he didn't actually kill him Mm -hmm. you know i keep waiting for like oh this is not the resolution to this and i realize and then he goes back and he's in the other plot and i'm like oh no it's just like carlos is the a plot so michael has to be involved yeah it's Uh, very strange it is very odd but yeah i was kind of hoping especially since we meet roger and he's like such a good dude yeah that michael would not just be conflicted about killing him but like actually trying to get him out of the country i mean i think like and like asking strong to be like hey can you get a message to him and just say like if something like something's up get out of like go into hiding fake your own death i will help I, yeah, but also at the same time, like, I kind of buy that, like, Michael at this point is like, no, I just gotta kill people now, that's it. Like, I just think it would have been more interesting for him to, like, try, like, you know, and to then, get out of it once and then right. realize how fruitless it is and have to make the decision. I, it could have been, yeah. I think it would have been more interesting. I, no, I, I think you're not wrong. But yeah, anyway. Like, it could have played out almost exactly the same. It's just that... Michael is actually helping and then realizes that, like, he's just extending the amount of time that, like, this guy has to be nice to him to make him feel worse. Right, exactly. Back in Carlos's old neighborhood, Michael and Jesse pretend to be health inspectors investigating a gas leak, uh, handing out pamphlets to anyone they see. I'm very curious about these pamphlets and if there's a phone number on them (laughs) and what the phone number is. Because the thing is, these people will call that number. Oh, for sure. 100% they will call that number. Because the thing is, like... I bet it goes to, like, Fee or someone or Carlos. No, but that's... To me, that's funny. Because then, like, they're going to have to deal with these calls. <laughs> like, I'm assuming it's just, like, actually to some sort of public service or something. Sure. yeah. Like, the actual health department. 
but it's so funny to me. I was just like, I was imagining the possibility that they were just going to keep getting calls from people who be like, yeah, I don't feel great. <laughs> I do like this sequence because no, like Jesse and sequence. Sam are really fun. No, this is a really fun... And there's a teenager being kind of a dick to them. And then... yeah. No, no, because they go in and they're like, yeah, like we're with the health department. Because the thing is like, it's so odd that any white people would be here. Mm-hmm. And so like the fact that like like Sam is there is weird. And it's just like, well... We have to explain why we're here, so we have to be these health inspectors. Also, it's always fun when someone pretends to be a health inspector. It's, like, one of the best things that you can pretend to be. But, like, and that there's a toxic gas leak, and if you feel weird or anything, and this is the excuse that they use to go and knock on Lloyd's door. Mm-hmm. They come in, and so it's like, we're health inspectors. And they close the door, and it's like, we're not really health inspectors. <laughs> and Lloyd... It's like, we know Carlos, and Lloyd immediately grabs a baseball bat, and then, like, tries to, like, beat the shit out of them, and so Jesse grabs him and tries to kind of subdue him, and there's this bit where he's like, stop fighting, stop fighting, and then he accidentally chokes him out, (laughs) and then... And then he's, like, talking to Sam, and Sam's like, we, how are we gonna get get him out of here now? No, no, this is great joke, too, where it's just like, stop, it's like, stop fighting, stop fighting, and then then Sam's like, I think he stopped. (laughs) It's like, and Jesse's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, how do we get him out? It's like very, like, Hercules, Disney Hercules. Like, doesn't know his own strength. Exactly. And yeah, and then like you said, like, well, we have to get him out somehow. And so they're just like, they come out, it's like, see the gas leak. (laughs) The gas leak got him. It's really great. Best, honestly, the best sequence in the whole episode. Oh, for sure. No, absolutely, hands down, no contest. This is, this is the most Craig O'Neill that the episode gets. Yep. It's so fun. Anyway, so they take Lloyd to Madeline's, where Carlos and Fee, where Carlos and Fee are, and Carl, and they try to convince Lloyd to do the right thing, even though it's dangerous, and it's not really working because he's like, I don't know, fuck this. <laughs> it's like it is kind of funny. It's like, um, no, you understand, like we have to put him in jails, and he's like. He just got out of jail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lloyd's totally right. First of all, Lloyd's in no danger except for from these fucking crazy people. Exactly. He's like, no one know. there's no reason why he should think that I am involved. Absolutely right. no reason. No, of course. And they're like, no, you have to do the right thing. You have to call the police. And then Madeline steps in and says, she knows what it's like to be afraid to do the right thing, but he won't be able to live with the blood on his hands of all the people that Nando will kill because he's not in jail. And that works for Lloyd. And he says, okay, I'll do it, but only if I can get protection for me and my family. Fair. Meanwhile, back in the Canaries, Sonia is about to call an airstrike on Steel because they <laughs> failed so bad. She's like, well, the backup plan is we call an airstrike. <laughs> but Michael says, fuck that. You'll kill so many guys who are doing their jobs. <laughs> the, the most godly of men. Exactly. And Michael says that he can take him out with a sniper rifle. It's like, I can do this in an hour. So he calls Steel. He's like, you gotta help me. Some guys are trying to kill me. And Steel's like, you too? Were they two guys in ski, ski masks? And Michael's like, that they bought at Target on sale? Yeah, it's them. <laughs> yeah, it's us. I mean them. Anyway, come here. And this works because Steel is so nice. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, so Steel arrives with his guys and calls Michael, who hems and haws before finally saying, I'm sorry, and shoots him. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have said, I'm sorry. I get why he said, I'm sorry. But like... If for some reason he did not kill him, he just gave himself away. And see, I think that this would have been a more interesting thing if he had tried to save his life and then realized 
in saving his life, he would have doomed others unless he just buckled up. Right, exactly. This is what I'm saying. The episode fully would not have had to change that much more. Oh, especially no, you're right. because no, he right. starts with talking to Strong and was like, Strong, I don't want to do this. And Strong's like, tough titties. You're right. That's much more of an arc. I mm-hmm. agree. You know, you're right. So he shoots him and that is it for Roger Steele. Yep. He is R. dead. R.I.P. So meanwhile... <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot of uh, caps lock in this next okay. section of the recap. Okay. So let's get to it. So okay. So Carlos's detective friend apparently wants to meet him in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. to make a deal with Lloyd in person. No one questions this. Nope. No one's like kind of weird that we're not doing it you know in the police station do they even say like i think he might have a mole at the police station yeah or even just like yeah we're worried about people you know like no even though they had a conversation in the police station about the witness like earlier in the episode exactly and it's also kind of like there's no reason that they even need to have lloyd the thing is that like so the thing that they have all decided to do Mm -hmm. is that like Carlos will talk to, like, the detective Mm -hmm. while Lloyd is present but hidden. Yep. So that as soon as he gets, like, clarification that they are definitely going to get protection for him and his family, Mm -hmm. he can show up like a mystery guest Mm -hmm. or something like that. And at no point does anyone question that this is not the best way to do this. Yep. Or even, like, say... Well, it's kind of shitty that we have to do it this way. It's everyone's like, well, obviously, this is how you would do it. You would go into a weird abandoned tower in the middle of nowhere where there's no one around Mm -hmm. except the dead, littered bones of other people who have been murdered here. Yep. Like, and then, like, not question, and then not even immediately question once she is kind of weird. Like, she's acting kind of weird. Like, where is he, though? And it's like, we're making a deal right now. He's not, like, even questioning, like, why she is suddenly, like... Yeah, I want to see him. It's like they're doing an exchange and she's like, where, where is like my thing? And he's like, well, where's my money? Like, it's basically that, but with human beings. And also like, it's like, not, I don't have it on me, yeah, but as soon as you give me the briefcase full of money, I'll tell you its location. Exactly. But Lloyd is the thing that he's hiding. And like, he's not a prisoner. It's not, there's no prisoners. It's just like. Right. It's such a, it is a very weird scene. It's so weird that like. And and everyone's like, this is totally normal. This and is fine. totally normal. This is like, going to no. go great. Yeah. This is how like, I expected this to go. Exactly. And it's just. <laughs> so when it turns out that surprise, surprise, the detective is working for Nando. Like, it's a weird thing. And they also do this thing in the scene wherein Nando shows up and he shows up in an SUV and the SUV like blocks Fee and Sam's view of the meeting. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, the only thing they can see, I think, is the detective. They can just see the detective. They're like, I don't know what's going on. And but this is probably also normal and fine. Exactly. They're like, <laughs> no one's concerned. Nobody tries to get a better angle. They're... No, not at all. They don't move. They're they don't like, do... wow, I can't believe this rude SUV driver is just like sitting there. <laughs> exactly. They're like, what's going on? No theory. It's just like, something's not right. And it's not until like Nando shoots the detective because the detective's like, I'm sorry that he's not here. I don't know what's going Like, she is, the thing is, she is also incredibly shocked that this does not work, which is like even more like, even more wild to me that like she, the one who's doing the double cross, mm-hmm. is like shocked that the double cross did not go 100% according to plan. She's like, 
he's not here? Was it that, like, Nandos got there too early? No. It's... Literally, it's just, like, everyone is, like, kind of amazed that the obviously bad, like, like plan didn't work. Yeah. Everyone's just kind of like, wait, you didn't bring... Where is he? Why can I not... Why is he not in shooting range? Why are you... Like, what are you doing? Right? It's so... It's so weird. And so dumb. <laughs> like, everyone in this scene is an idiot. Like... These are people... Apparently there was a gas leak and it's here. (laughs) We held last week a gas leak episode too. Yeah. But like literally it's like, what is going on? There's no reason that this scene had to be like this. No. It's just... Yeah. Then like, so the detective gets shot and it's like, oh, Nando's here. (laughs) They also immediately know that it's Nando. Because like, obviously, of course it's Nando. Right. Like who else would be... Who else would it be? Did Carlo shoot her? Yeah, who else would it be? Which is, like, not a weird conclusion to jump to. Right. Except they're literally jumping to no other conclusions. Like, the idea that, like, in this scene, everyone is a complete idiot until they go, oh, that's Nando. It's like, how do you know? Like, you should have known that all of this was bad. What are you doing? Right. (laughs) As soon, I mean, as soon as she tells you where to do this meet, something is up. Exactly. And then as soon as an SUV shows up, Something is up. And I'm like, <laughs> like there's so many points and then, like, to this. And then like she gets shot. Nando is there. They're in the middle of nowhere. Lloyd immediately bolts. Yeah. He's like running <laughs> on foot from like the guys who have an SUV mm-hmm. toward nothing. Yeah. Like, it's just, and like, they have a car with them. Like they they have they a car. Have a car. <laughs> With them. He's like, never mind. Oops, he's running away like a Scooby-Doo character. I mean, at this point, these people are so stupid. He's like, I do not feel safe with you. I don't care if you have... I I wish he had stolen the car. He he should have stolen the car. Like, that's what he should have done. But he just, like, runs. Like, he just fucking runs. Like, on foot. It's so funny. Oh, wait. Meanwhile, like, Fee and Sam are like... We don't have to worry about him. <laughs> like they're immediately like, oh, we'll, we gotta get Carlos. They they took Carlos, and no one's like, okay, you make sure Lloyd is okay. I'll go after Carlos. Like they, as soon as he runs away, they do not care about him anymore. He never shows up again. Yeah, he's never. Did they even mention him? No, he's never mentioned again. Like he just runs away. He's just he like literally runs out of the episode. No one can like the minute that he is gone. Everyone forgets he exists. It's it's truly well, not wild. Necessarily, technically, we know he exists to the extent that like Michael plays him. Exactly. Yeah, but it's just like no one no one cares about this person. Right. Like it's so it's so wild. Like the all caps part of this was justified. Everyone. That's yeah. all we have to say. It's just. Yeah, I don't know the scene. It's. There's no reason it had to be like this. No. There, it could have been so better. And, like, not mm-hmm. great, but, like, you could have, like, done it in a way that works. Yeah. Like, Instead in the of... earlier police station scene, we could, like, lay some seeds for, like, hey, keep your voice down. Like, 
the the technicality i don't know where his lawyer got that information but like i'm kind of nervous and then the next time he's like hey the detective mentioned like oh hey didn't you say that like the police station might be like i don't know suspicious like make it carlos's idea to meet her elsewhere and then when she shows up and she's like where's the guy he's like he's kind of nervous and so like then it becomes like lloyd is nervous so it's lloyd who doesn't want to meet with her until it's confirmed and he's like listening in on a bug and then she gets frustrated nando shows up too early and she's like you didn't give me enough time like he wasn't here with it so like that makes way more sense the same set pieces but just like more motivated and like have everyone not just be incredibly dumb right exactly it's It's like this is just a and now it's just a matter of like timing and miscommunication yeah other than everyone being fucking stupid just like completely idiotic anyway so that all ends yep so we uh sam and jesse scope out nando's place and it's crawling with gun guys they have no idea what to do and so fee gets a call from carlos's phone and it's nando who is torturing carlos with a blowtorch he wants he wants lloyd does he know that his name is lloyd i don't know if he no he just says the witness okay he wants the witness Mm -hmm. and he's gonna keep torturing carlos until 5 p.m is helpfully told is an hour and 20 minutes from now yep he's gonna kill carlos at five if he doesn't have the witness. Sophie says, yeah, I'll get you your witness. And then she hangs up and Sam and Jesse are like, you just said you're going to get the witness. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> She's like, I just said it to buy time. It's like, yeah, we know. Like, it's so, like, it's so weird. I mean, th- this is like the the pre, the cold open from last episode where they're arguing, like, should we steal the guns? It's like, no, obviously yeah. not. We're just filling time for no reason. It's so... I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, like, the, like sometimes this show is... They all, in a crisis, fall into place and are like, what do you need? What Like, what can we do? And sometimes they argue about obvious shit for no reason. And it's like, there's no way to tell which way the episode is going to go. No, not at all. It's so... They, like, they're mad about it. And Sophie's like... I'll call Michael, who just happens to be getting right back from his death mission. And Fee asks, like, can Sonia and her organization, this whole James shit, can they do something? Because Carlos is going to die. The three of us did not even try to brainstorm and were out of ideas. Michael, what should we do? Can you get your super secret terrorist organization to help us? Right. And and Michael's like, yep, no problem. (laughs) Yeah, so Michael's like, and he says, no, they'll do it. They owe me. Mm -hmm. Which is the closest that they could think of to, like, justifying all of this and having it tie together thematically. Yep. I think it would have been more interesting for it to be Michael, like, talks to Sonia and maybe even James or maybe just Sonia and is like, hey, do you think you guys can help? And they're like, for Fee and Sam and Jesse? Yeah, they're part of the team. Yeah, exactly. That would have been more interesting and more connected to last episode. Exactly. I don't know it's why that's the thing. Because it's also like, they don't owe Michael because this is the thing. It's like, right. This isn't a job. Serving coffee, waiting tables is a job. Yeah, it's just, oh gosh. Anyway, so Michael arrives outside the gang compound and meets with V and Jesse and Sam. He says that Sony's people are getting in touch with Nando's supplier. They just need to buy a little bit of time. So Fee takes in Michael as the witness. Nando takes one look at Michael and is like, nah. (laughs) As we have established in two other scenes, there are no white people in this neighborhood. We would have noticed you. Exactly. And Michael says, yeah, I'm not the witness, but I have very powerful friends. And that Nando, you should just go and leave Miami. Let me go. Let Carlos go. Leave Miami. It's going to be very bad for you if you don't do that. Nando laughs. And then, like, they kind of bend him over. I don't know exactly what happens. But then, like, Jeffrey Donovan does this laugh that is legitimately very creepy. (laughs) 
It's a very good laugh where he's just like, you're all gonna die. Yeah, he's kind of playing the character he plays in Bad Breaks, where he's like, there's a big scary thing that's gonna happen. Like, do you not know about the big scary thing? No. Oh, man. He's like like Luke Skywalker in the beginning of Return of the Jedi, where he walks into like Jabba's place and it's like, no, trust me, like... I'm gonna murder all of you. <laughs> you should you should let us go because I'm gonna murder every like it's gonna go so bad for you. And so they're like, kill this motherfucker. And then on cue, <laughs> as if they were waiting for the waiting for the right moment, Michael has a phone in his pocket that rings. One of Nando's guys takes the phone from Michael's pocket, and like Michael's like, you should probably answer that. And he answers it, and it is a guy named Lopez who is like the supplier, mm-hmm. and Lopez says, like, hey, let all these guys go. <laughs> and Nando's like, I can't do that. They can pin a murder on me. And it's like, let them go. And it's like, no, I can't do that. And then he stops talking to Nando and starts talking to the guy holding the phone. And he says, you know who I am? He's like, yeah, I know who you are. It's like, you know what I can do to you mm-hmm. if you disobey me? It's, yeah, like, it's like, how's yeah. your mom? How's yeah, your exactly. <laughs> it's your like, Yeah, okay, yeah, shoot Nando right now. <laughs> And the guy's like, sure. And he just murders Nando. And they're like, okay, you can go now. Yeah, thanks, I guess. Yeah. Also, that is fun. Wor- also worth mentioning that, like, for this entire scene, Carlos is, like, laid out flat. Like, Carlos, yeah. this is the moment where it's like, he can't hang with this group. He is no. terrible under torture cir- circumstances. What? Right. You're just going to, like, act like you're really hurt? That's not how we do this. No. <laughs> You're supposed to quip and go, it's nothing. Exactly. But no, he's like, you know, vomiting blood, <laughs> barely stands right. up. It's like, come on, Carlos, get it together. No, this is not a like subjective experience episode <laughs> where torture actually means something. So they go free. And then Sonia meets with Michael and he asks her how they got Carlos free. And she says that they put pressure on the supplier. Uh, she also says that she understands that it was hard for him to kill Steele, but he had to for the mission. And she says that James has big plans for Michael and they're going to meet with him next week in person to figure out what those plans are. Or like the next stage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, at Fee's, Carlos has his bag packed. And when Fee asks why he's leaving, Carlos shows Fee a newspaper headline showing that the pressure that James's people applied to the drug supplier took the form of a helicopter assault that left seven people dead. And Carlos isn't sure how he can live with that, but he can't be around Fee and Michael and their whole deal anymore. They both say, I love you, and Carlos leaves, and Fee cries, and that is the end of the episode. I hate this. I hate this for a lot of reasons, but mostly what I hate is that it wasn't Fee's choice. I hate when love triangles boil down to the resolution is that one of, like, one of the spokes of the triangle just fucking leaves. Right. It should have been like- Fee's choice. Fee yeah. should have been, like, even if she did, you know, uh, this is too dangerous. Like, I don't think you should be a part of the gang anymore. But, like, the fact that our beloved Fiona, Moyami Fiona. Got dumped. Got dumped. And it's like, she is being passively handed back over to Michael. Yeah. As if she has absolutely no agency or decision in the matter. No, it sucks. It sucks so hard. There's plenty of other stuff that's happened this season that could remind her why she loves Michael and let her make this decision on her own. Right. He rescued her. He got injured by rescuing her. He tried to keep her out of this. He helped Carlos even when he didn't necessarily have to. It also kind of makes Michael the second choice. Exactly. Yeah. Which also sucks. It sucks for both of them. Why would this be oh i'm so mad that fee didn't decide this for herself like i i understand it from carlos's perspective but also it didn't have to go this way right 
you know, like it doesn't make us root for Michael and Fee. Yeah, I also don't care about like the seven people dead from this helicopter explosion because like we already know that there is like constant collateral damage. Like fucking Sonia almost did the same shit right. for their previous mission. We, that's not a beat we need. Right. We already know what they're capable of. Yeah. And frankly, so does Carlos. So the fact that that is what like well, I will breaks say, him is boring. To be fair... Like, Carlos didn't know that they were calling in the, like, Sonia people. I mean, that's fair. But I think, like... But, like, Carlos is aware enough of what's going on. Yeah. And also, I don't care how Carlos feels about Sonia's organization. That gives me nothing when this is his finale episode. Right. I just... literally don't care about that. Yeah. And it doesn't tell us, the audience, anything new. So it's a pointless beat that all that it does is takes away Fiona's agency and tells us something we already know. Like, yeah. I mean, I kind of... Because I kind of like the idea that this is the first time that, like, Fee has asked the organization to do something for her, Mm -hmm. and it ends up with seven people killed. I think, like, that's a decent beat for Fee. But it's not about Fee. But it's not about Fee. It's about Carlos, and who gives a shit about, like, this should, like, she's, like, sad about Carlos. She should feel kind of bad that she got those seven people killed. Right. Like, she should be having that emotion right like, like maybe carlos ever... is like i'm really glad they did that you know i didn't love that there was so much violence but like you know what i'm i'm in like i i i don't want you to be keeping me out of this anymore like they saved my life like i owe them yeah. or something like that or and like, for fee to be like no but or even just like the thing of like i i cared so much about like rescue rescuing you that i got these people killed i can't have you in my life mm-hmm. like you were like a nice guy, but like I can only date a super spy who like will can always get themselves out of their own jam. And like because if I'm worried about getting you out of a jam, like people might die. I mean, she I gets like, Michael's out of jams constantly. I mean, she does, but in a like, way, the whole thing like, is Michael can't do that lone wolf crap anymore. I mean, I'm trying to like salvage the thing. Like, so am I by just fully flipping it. I yeah. don't care. No, yeah, but, like, in a way that, like, if you're going to do this seven people thing, like, mm-hmm. have that be her motivating thing to say goodbye to Carlos. And I, I, I'm i saying throw that out. Baby, bathwater, fuck it. I don't I don't know. I kind of like the seven people thing. Hey, we, again, we've, like, narratively, we've already gotten that context. The thing is, I would have rather had that than, like, anything from last week. I, I think mean, I think this episode is a better episode, a better version of last week. That's fair. Yeah. And so, like, I'm kind of like, I understand that maybe you need to hit hit, hit some of these beats. Mm-hmm. This episode hits those beats better. I would, like, rather have this episode and not, and then a totally different thing for last week or something. I don't know. Because this is a weird sort of pointlessly incremental thing of, it's like, first Michael lets a guy die who sucks. Now he kills a guy who he likes. And it's like, and, and that's we say such goodbye a minor, to Carlos. That's such a minor escalation. And it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah. We go from like, this man slit the throat of everyone in his battalion because they wanted to kill women and children to cover up a clerical right. mistake to like, yeah, let's kill one guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, this, this season started so strong. Yeah. And then in the middle, they got like, 
they forgot, like, there was a gas leak in the middle of the season, and they just, like, got things out of order. Like, most of the major beats of this season could be interesting, and I understand why they ended up on the outline, but they did them in the wrong order, and they learned the wrong lessons from the beginning of the season. Right. And it's that's what's frustrating, is it's like, we're so close. It's like, you've jammed these puzzle pieces in, and they technically fit, but that's not where that piece should go. And if we just... If we spent 10 more minutes rearranging these puzzle pieces, I promise you all the things you're trying to do, you can do with all of the elements that you're using. Just put them in like a slightly different order with like different people's point of views being the priority. Right. That's it. Like, we, I'm not asking for a total redo. I'm asking you to like genuinely look at this and say, is this the best way we could do this? Yeah, and it's not. It's not. Uh, I noticed also that for Spy Chips, you haven't even included five. There's no exactly. new tension here. I took a page out of your playbook. We really switched this we, week. Yeah, we did. This week and last week. Yeah, I think. No, there was. There was. Nothing. No, there was nothing. There was like. Yeah. No way that I could have. There's done it. There's like <laughs> maybe one I could have kept, but it was like, no, there's only three here. Like, there's only three that are anything. Okay. I don't even know if they're all anything. So let's talk about them. Let's talk about them. In the spy world, often the only things you know about a covert mission are your deployment orders and the list of equipment to bring. Sometimes that tells you nothing, and sometimes it can tell a lot. The, the make of your weapon tells you if you're, you'll be in open combat or firing from the shadows. The ammunition that you're bringing can indicate whether you're there primi- primarily to defend or to kill. When you're leaving under the cover of darkness under a false name, you can be sure that whatever the job is, it won't be pretty. I mean, that last piece is stupid. Well, I do wish they'd given us, like, like what does this kind of ammunition mean? Yeah. Like, a little bit more The detail. make of the weapon makes sense to me. Like, obviously, if you have, like, a silencer, it's like, okay, so this is, like, an assassination or, like, creepy mission versus, like, a semi-automatic, and it's, yeah. like, oh, open warfare. Like, that I can vibe with. I remember listening to this as the episode was going and going, I wonder if Chris is going to pick this. Yeah. Because there's something in here. There's something in there. Yeah, I, I mean... I guess I I could, the presumption is that I would do my own research and know the differences between ammunitions, which, like, is a fair assumption in the context. So, fair. Fine. So, you You know what? Yeah, I'll keep keep it. It It doesn't matter. It, like, literally doesn't matter. (laughs) Anyway, just like last week, where it's like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. No one's more careful about security than a freelance spy. When you work in intelligence and you don't have the protection of the government, you have to assume that everyone is a potential enemy. Even your closest friends. A careful operative will have security as good as most military installations. Vehicles will be searched for explosives. And of course, nothing that fires a bullet or sends an electronic signal makes it past the gate. Bottom line, by the time you get inside, the only thing you'll be armed with is a warm smile. No. No? Cool. (laughs) I'll take it. Do security. Cool, then fuck it. So here's the only other one. Yeah, this one I think is going to be useful. I remember this one. Roadside improvised explosive devices come in many varieties, but they usually share basic features. Once a target vehicle is chosen, an an explosive device is planted in the vehicle's path and then detonated detonated by remote control as soon as the vehicle is in position. Of course, that assumes that your target isn't using a signal jammer. The problem with signal jammers is that they don't just make it impossible to remotely trigger a detonator, they also make it impossible to communicate with your team. And when you can't communicate, bad things usually happen. Actually, now that I'm looking at this, is I thought I, I feel like I remembered there being more details about the actual bomb that they're using. But no, it's like, yeah, remote trigger. You better hope they don't have a jammer. I don't yeah. know if this is anything. I mean, what did you learn that we didn't know already? We've seen signal jammers before. We've seen a lot more information about. I feel like I haven't seen signal jammers in a car. 
Where else? I mean, if you're driving. Usually I feel like signal jammers are like in stationary places. I didn't even know like. They're like handheld. We've seen them use them at like, like we've seen in bad breaks, for that's instance. True. Yeah, that's fine. Fucking but... Mark Shepard's wandering around with a portable signal that's true. jammer. Your thing was that you've never seen a signal jammer in a car before. That's what your the practical takeaway. Well, and it was like also like, I don't know. I also, here's the thing. I also remember, like. Remember this being more useful? Remember this being more useful in the context of it. So that was kind of the thing about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, fuck it. Fuck this tip. Fuck this tip. So there's just one. Yeah. And even that one's not like. Yeah. We're, we're being charitable. Yeah. All right. So there's not five practical spy tips. Do they solve the problem using spycraft over violence? Well, let's see. So there were two problems. The first problem was solved by violence. Yeah. Because <laughs> Michael shot a man. Exactly. I shot a man. <laughs> the second problem was solved because they blew up an airplane. They didn't blow up an airplane. Or a helicopter. Well, they didn't blow up a helicopter. Didn't they? I thought they shot people with a helicopter. Shot people with a helicopter? Yeah. I'm talking about the Carlos plot. Yeah. Whatever happened with the helicopter, people died. Yeah. And people that got, was what created I, it the It sounded like there was a... It sounded like there was a helicopter assault. Uh, I heard the... I'm pretty sure I heard the word assault. Well, in any case... They killed some people, and that's yeah. what ended the conflict. Like, there was, I will say... There was some spycraft within the, like, attempting to, in, like, make the witness feel safe and then not turn him over instantly. I will say that oftentimes we've even accepted that the spy thing to do... Is to make is other to, people do violence. Is to make other people do violence. And I guess Michael did maneuver around a more violent solution yeah, by I, proposing a slightly less violent solution. Exactly. And it's also like their plan did not involve violence. They just got somebody else who they could probably assume would do violence on their behalf. Well, I think this is the thing, right? I think that they're kind of naive. I think they assumed that this was like a phone call. Yeah, like, like I you kind just of, know a guy? No, I assumed genuinely that it was a phone call. That's fair. I probably would have assumed that too. Yeah. Especially when you don't have a lot of time to chat and you're just like, we just got to get to the location. Yeah, it just seemed like the idea was that like, yeah, James knows a guy. Yeah, all right. It's shaky. Yeah. And like the fact that the central like turning point of the episode is everyone being dumb as fuck yeah. in the wilderness. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I know. By an abandoned cell tower. Just everyone step by step doing the dumbest thing possible. But you're right. Yeah. I. It's on the line, it's but I'll give it line. to him. There's no alias other than the idea of a witness. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't even last very long because he immediately looks at Michael and goes, you're not the witness. <laughs> and Michael goes, you're right. I'm not yeah. the witness. <laughs> so there's not an alias. No, there's not an um, alias. So this is... The, exactly. Well, I guess it can't be. It can't be, no matter what. But no. let's talk about supporting characters. Okay. If you get to blow something up, be co-protagonist. No. no. Would we consider her co-protagonist because it's a story about her boyfriend? Ah, uh, kinda. No. I not really. No, and she does not get to blow something. She does up. not get to blow something up. Uh, no one gets to blow something up. Sad. Yeah. Does Sam get to be peak Bruce Campbell? We do have that one fun Sam and Jesse scene. That's like the yeah, one but very good thing about the Sam episode. doesn't do like I would give that more to Jesse. Yeah. For like not realizing he's choking a guy out and for being genuinely just yeah. fun. Oh no, he's doing a lot of like Sam's doing a lot of like fun like stuff with the people outside. I guess. Yeah. But that's not really that I would say again, that's more of a Sam Axe thing than a Peak yeah, Bruce Campbell thing. Like he's not the sort of like 
You're Lothario right. sex man. He's not talking about food and he's not talking about sex. It makes it hard to argue for Peak Bruce Campbell. You're right. No. Um, but we can give it to Jesse. Yeah, Jesse is definitely a Jesse's, distinct addition. Yeah. Michael would. Ne- Michael has never been in a situation where he forgot that he was choking someone out and accidentally has makes them pass out. Yeah, that's great. Like, literally, like, I was thinking, like, this is Disney's Hercules. This is, like, teenage Disney's Hercules. That is the energy Jesse is giving. And I love that for him. Good energy. So, yeah, Jesse gets a point. Mm-hmm. Does Madeline get a genuine emotional moment or do the case of the week? Madeline in this episode? I don't think Madeline's in this episode. I'm trying to remember. No, because we start in the dead of night. Yeah. And we never... Oh, wait, yes, she is in this episode. Oh, that's right. She gets the one scene with Lloyd. And convinces him to turn stage. Yeah, and it's kind of, like, implied that she's like, yeah... She's talking about the dad The dad, yeah. Talking about Frank. Yeah. And I I guess that's... Does that count as being involved? Because she's had that position for oh, no, a while. Well, no, I'm not saying involved. I'm talking about like, is that, emotional? An, is that an emotional moment? Because she's talking about dad. I don't, I kind of don't think so. We it's normally, so perfunctory. Yeah, it's more like usually for that, we're we're asking her to be in a emotional moment with like one of our characters. Right. I don't give a fuck about Lloyd. And now well, yeah, the episode. Like, yeah, but like, that's not necessarily true. I mean, like, we definitely gave it to the episode where she had that friend yeah but we had we gave it to her well first of all that wasn't a rule at the time was it really oh, no okay, this cool. is a more recent one and also it was because of the conversation she had with michael at the end of the episode I, yeah but we also really liked her and the conversations with the friend i would say that like if that rule existed and it was just the scene with the friend i would say that's a genuine emotional moment she didn't really have a scene with the friend yeah she did she has a whole thing at the end where she like oh betrays you're right her. you're right you're it's right it's a great scene that's true see i was thinking of the end of the episode scene where michael has just come back from breaking into the thing to like lessen the impact on the friend yeah. and him and madeline having a serious conversation about like yeah. oh this is what it's like to live your life that's a good episode that was a good episode. This one wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, it's not uh, a. It, I I don't think it matters one way or the other. I don't know if the Lloyd scene, the perfunctory Lloyd scene, is enough. No, so, it's not. It's not enough. Despite it technically being spycraft over violence and Jesse being a distinct addition to the team rather than a redundancy, this it's is not, not a great enough. episode of Burn Notice. And I don't think that there is any worry that this will be a great episode of television. I feel like this has been happening with us. We're in like. We get two episodes of this season that are really good, mm-hmm. and then two episodes of this season that are garbage. Yep. And then two episodes of this season that are really good, and then two episodes that are garbage. Yeah. I mean, they're not good at maintaining their momentum. No, they're not. Like, they're really good at setting things up or teasing things. Yeah. Like, we often have pretty good season finales and pretty good season premieres. Mm-hmm. Then they get lost. <laughs> Then somebody brings it back for like the mid-season finale and it gets interesting again because we're basically resetting momentum for a new thing. Right. And then they get lost again. Like the that, thing about sometimes there's like a throwaway middle of the season episode that's like not attached to anything but weirdly good because they just like let somebody off the hook and we're just like go for it. No, this is the thing. Go fucking nuts. When we were talking about the like the torture episode or something mm-hmm. like that. And then or when we, when we were talking about the flashback episode, like... The Fee Michael. The Fee Michael one. Yeah, like, in, like, a season of television like this, like, episodes can be, like, special, not because they do plot things, but because they're very well done. Like, right. like this show has never quite gotten the idea that, like, episodes can be important for non-plot reasons. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, you can just find, like, these can be big character moments or kind of structural experiments or something like that mm-hmm. like this show does not know or refuses to let that be a thing like this is the only season that kind of does that mm-hmm. 
But yeah, unfortunately, it like they inject so much into the special episode that I feel like they kind of just gave up on the middle expository ones. Right, yeah, and they're kind of garbage now. They really are. And, like, they're not doing interesting character things, and they're not really, like, exploring what we unlocked in the special episodes. Right. Like, it's all just, like, they're hoping that the goodwill from the special episodes carries us through the sort of boring, like, expository ones. But the right. thing is, the expository ones don't even need to be this expository. No, we could they have don't. combined the last two episodes and gotten exactly the same amount. Right. It's like the shortest season. There's still so much, like, padding. Mm-hmm. And there doesn't need to be. Like, we've no. already discussed a lot of ways where they can use similar set pieces to tweak just a little bit and give us some new interesting explorations. But yeah, like, just, like, give us stuff. But the problem is they just, they can't commit. No, they can't. It's really annoying. They can't commit and they can't do season-long arcs. No, <laughs> Not in a satisfying way. No, they can't. That maintains momentum all the way through. And that has always been their problem and appears it to always Always will be have it. been their problem. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Um, anyways. Too bad. It's too bad. Well, there's nothing left to say but to say thank you again to Vincent E.L. for our theme music. If you want more from Vince, go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. Otherwise, bye. As you were talking about last week, I realized, fully forgot what last week's episode is. Could not. I genuinely, in my brain, don't know what they did last week. What did they do? It dropped out of my brain. We just talked about it. We just talked about it? It's gone. Oh, poison. Fuck. Yeah, poison. Huh. Huh. Bad couple episodes. Bad couple episodes.